Welcome to the She's All That video podcast, inspiring, entertaining conversations with women doing awesome shit, making change, and living life their way. Conversations that'll leave you thinking, damn, I'm glad I heard that. Today, I'm talking with Caroline Ferguson, award-winning comedy writer, business consultant, cognitive behavioral hypnotherapist, and mindset trainer for business leaders and high-potential entrepreneurs. Caroline helps people dig down to identify their limiting beliefs and behaviors that blast through their blocks and explode their impact. Keep listening to hear how she does all that, how she uses self-hypnosis in her own life, her upcoming audio pack to help you use self-hypnosis, her bullshit fairy theory, and so much more great stuff to help us survive and thrive in this time of lockdown and pandemic. Get on her mailing list, links are below, for her upcoming self-hypnosis audio pack, and cause she's open. Caroline Ferguson, thank you so much for joining me today on the She's All That video podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. I am delighted to be here. So thank you very much for inviting me. So I've got to ask you right off the bat. She's all that. You went, you've done so many things. You're a Renaissance woman. You've been an award-winning comedy writer. You've been a business consultant. And now in your business consulting, you are a mindset trainer. And you are actively using your background in education as a cognitive behavioral hypnotherapist. Yes. How did you make that journey? And what (laughs) is cognitive behavioral hypnotherapy? Well, it all started um, a very long time ago. Uh, I've always had that nagging feeling that I was born for something more. And I didn't really know what that was about. I suspected it was creative. I thought it was being a writer. But when I was a writer, and I'm still a writer, but it, it wasn't that itch was not being scratched. I still felt that there was more I was supposed to be doing. I was supposed to be making some kind of difference that just wasn't really happening. Hmm. And I got to a big birthday and uh, I was working with a client And it was a client that I'd done this particular job for two or three times over the course of about 20 months. And it was like Groundhog Day. And I was sitting on the train on my birthday, one of those big birthdays with a zero in it. And I just thought the second part of my life has to be about value, about value that I get and value that I can give. Because what I'm doing now is just not doing that for me. I have fun when I'm writing. I earn money with my corporate clients, but I still feel as if I was born for something more. So I I knew that I needed to find out what that something more was. And there was a a string, a chain of circumstances in my life that led me to buy a book on CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Yes. And I'd, I knew those I knew those initials. I'd heard I'd heard about CBT, but I didn't really know what it was. Mm. And I needed to know what it was. So uh, somebody close to me was about to have it. So I bought a book. And I had on my birthday on the train, I had said to myself, I give myself a really clear instruction, which was I have to find something that I can do in the second part of my life where age is not an impediment. You know, having silver hair is about wisdom, not about being too old for your job Mm -hmm. um, that I can do alongside writing that I can do from anywhere in the world. And it is about making a difference to people's lives. And when I bought this particular book, I looked up the author and realized that it was a a hypnotherapist that I'd seen in London years before, 15 years before when I had writer's block. But actually, I was just curious like, about you, it. Was not, like. not just seen them on a stage. You'd actually worked no, with I've them. No, I'd been, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd been to see him. He was around the corner from me at home. So you but were familiar really, with hypnotherapy already? I, I was, yes. I'd oh. had three or four sessions of it um, when I had writer's block. But actually, what I was, was really curious about, what it was like to be hypnotized. That was part of the reason I went to see him. And and here he was, and he'd written this book. And he, uh, when I looked him up, I Googled him, and I discovered that he'd set up a college for cognitive behavioral hypnotherapists. Wow. And I didn't really think any more of it that evening. You know, I just... I I was excited because I was going to do a writing thing the next day Mm. but I woke up the next morning 
And it was very early in the morning and I was on fire. I was just completely on fire and I knew what I was going to do. I was going to go to Avi's college and I was going to train to be a cognitive behavioral hypnotherapist. That had not even been in my head the night before. And since, since then, I've learned how that works. I've learned what was going on there in that I gave myself such a clear instruction. And when we do that, we, we are addressing our unconscious minds and we're planting this seed of go and find me this thing and tell me when you've found it. And so ever since my birthday, two months later, you know, my mind had basically been sifting through billions of bytes of data, trying to make a match with pattern matches naturally, mm -hmm. trying to make this match. And when I looked up this guy and I found that he'd set up this college, instantly all the counters just clicked into place wow. and woke me up at 6.16 in the morning and said, that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna go to that college. Um, wow. And I never had a moment's doubt. Not ever. I'd never thought about being a therapist, but I, you know, I went along two months later, I started my, my course um, and I never, I never looked back. It, it just was so abundantly clear to me that this was my true north and this is what I'm supposed to do. So I'm supposed to use this. Did, was your intention right from the beginning to be utilizing this with your business consultancy? Um, I didn't really know at that point. I was just following a massive driving instinct. Mm -hmm. But as I uh, as I learned and studied, I realized that this was an amazing toolkit, an amazing mm. toolkit that I was thinking, why don't we all know this stuff? Why don't we all get taught this? Why, do, why isn't this what we learn in school? Because when we go to school, we are we learn how to learn. We learn how to structure an argument. We learn how to absorb information, but we don't learn how to think. Not really. You know, and we don't learn about yes. ourselves and how to use how our minds work. And mm -hmm. I think that that is a massive omission, massive. Yes, yes. And um, so when you were telling me um, earlier in our conversation about the impact you have with people, you said uh, it's to help them develop the crucial life skill of self-awareness. Self so, of yes, course, that brings out the question in me is if this is such a crucial skill for life or for life, successful life. How is it that we somehow aren't getting it? Is everybody lacking in that? And how are well, we missing it? Yeah, I talk about the, the number one life skill of self-awareness. And so many people say, you know, well, I'm self-aware, I'm self-aware. Um, but actually they're confusing it a lot of the time with self-consciousness. And self-consciousness and self-focus is all about, well, I'm thinking about me, therefore I must be self-aware. But actually there's a, a wonderful uh, psychological, organizational um, uh, psych psychologist, Tasha Urick, and has done a lot of study, thousands, she's, you know, she's done thousands of people worth of research into this. And she has come up with this figure of 15%. Only 15% of humans have this skill, which is, you know, which just seems all wrong somehow that, you know, 85% of us don't have it. And I will fully hold my hand up and say, I was not one of the 15%. So this is 15% have it naturally, that but it is it remediable. It is remediable. It is, we can learn. Teachable. And that's yes. what you're doing. And that's what I'm doing. So I had to learn it myself first. And I still catch myself at times, you know, lacking in that self-awareness. Um, but, you know, what is self-awareness? Why is it such a crucial skill? Well, and one other question I would say is, is yeah. how does it impact our lives if we are not self-aware? If we're not. Well, the, the crucial thing about self-awareness is hearing, being able to hear our stories. And so we all have this 20 to 70,000 thoughts a day going through our, our minds on various levels of consciousness. Mm. That's, that's huge. I mean, even at the lower level, that's one thought every three seconds all day and all night, you know, and we cannot tune in and listen to all of those because we would slide down the wall pretty quickly. So the key is being able to hear those stories when it matters okay. because our beliefs and our thoughts determine our experience of reality. 
So mm-hmm. you could have a hundred people all going through the exactly same thing, but they will all have a different response to it because they've all got, you know, they all arrived at that place in different ways. Um, but really what's shaping their response to what's going on around them is the story they're telling themselves about that thing. You know, they're all going to have, there are going to be a hundred different stories. And how is that impacted by their lack of, or their self-awareness or lack thereof? So if they are self-aware and they are winding themselves, so for example, take this COVID situation, a lot of people are very disturbed about this. And understandably, it's Mm. a very disturbing situation. Mm -hmm. But how we respond to it is going to vary depending on what story we're telling ourselves about it. So if we're saying, this is awful, I can't bear it, or this mustn't be happening, or this is a terrible situation, then, then that's going to determine our reality around COVID. You know, we're going to find it extremely difficult. We're going to feel very pessimistic about it. Whereas if our story is, I can't do anything to control what's going on, but I can control me in this situation, or, well, it's not the end of the world, you know, 0.1% of people are dying from this, but the other 99.9% are, are, are okay, I'll come out of it. You know, if we have those stories, we're going to have a different reality. Mm-hmm. We're going to be much more realistic about it, much more resilient to what's going on. So self-awareness, being able to tune in and hear those stories. And, and, and direct them. And adjust them. Yeah. Yeah. Challenge them, the ones that are not working for us. Challenge those stories and then rebuild them deliberately, consciously, create a new story so the the example you gave was covid but like we Mm -hmm. we can be doing this of course that's everything that's affecting all of us but they can be your personal life your family life your business yes anything really absolutely we have uh, we are evaluative naturally humans are evaluative we have opinion we form an opinion a judgment about everything that happens that everything that goes on and people you know there's an awful lot of the kind of coaching fraternity which says don't be judgmental we can't help it we are judgmental, whether you call it an evaluation or opinion or a judgment, that's all the same thing. It is us reaching a conclusion about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And the nature of those judgments is going to determine how we see the world and our views determine how we feel emotionally and also how we behave. Mm-hmm. So if we are able to pick up on views, opinions, judgments that are not helpful to us or not helpful to others or that are you know, pinning a behavior in place or pinning an emotion in place. And we can hear that. Then that is just so powerful because mm-hmm. we can't change COVID, but we can change how we relate to it. We can change how we behave in it. Um, but so, you can't do that unless you can hear it. Yes. So you help your, the, the people that work with you, you help them find that self-awareness and then you apply. Sorry, I keep yes. coming back to the hypnotherapy because it's just so, yeah. so <laughs> curiously <laughs> sexy. Yeah. So hypnotherapy, like coaching, is a tool. You know, it's a fantastically useful tool. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we do, what I do essentially is I show people the way to becoming more self-aware. And then we work on very specifically identifying the core beliefs that are getting in their way, that are keeping them small, that are that are, are preventing them from making their impact on the world. Because I love working with people who are visionary, um, who are excited, who want to make that big impact, but they're getting in their own way. And it's always about the beliefs that we hold. And the most toxic kind of beliefs that we have are our demands. This has to be easy. I must do it perfectly. I mustn't let you down. Because the problem is that when we have a demand, there's an or else. 
you know, I have to do it perfectly or else it's awful or else I'm not good enough. I mustn't let you down or else it means I'm a bad person. So, you know, when we're holding these beliefs, they have consequences for us in terms of how we feel about ourselves and our resilience and our ability to to deal with what's going on. Mm -hmm. So the mindset training process is really about identifying those core beliefs. And that's where the um, rational emotive behavior therapy that I studied is so valuable. You know, that's what is is layered on top of the coaching, if you like. It's being able to hear those beliefs and then having a process, a therapeutic process for challenging and changing them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the therapeutic thing, that element of what it is you do with your clients yeah. seems to be a mm -hmm. little unique. I, I, well, I've run across a number of people who are mindset coaches, mm -hmm. well, not trainers so much. Most people say uh -huh. coaches, mm -hmm. but uh, we had also talked before about things you wish people knew about what it is you do. Mm. And one of them was the, that the hypnotherapy isn't all sure. woo-woo, but also yeah. that mindset training is yeah. different than it coaching. Is. So I have to ask you, Caroline, what is mindset? I particularly in the last eight months have been seeing so many people that are calling themselves a mindset coach and yeah. like, is it manifesting or is it just telling yourself like my life is perfect? Well, what is a mindset? What is it? Mindset. And what's a trainer or a coach? Okay. Well, mindset, I can only tell you my definition of mindset because I think I agree with you. There are, you know, everybody's a mindset coach these days, but my definition of mindset is very clear. It is your belief set, so your philosophy, plus your approach, your attitude. So it's the beliefs you have, plus your attitude and how you approach things. That is your mindset. So at any point, we have a mindset about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And our mindset might be positive, it might be negative, it might be, you know, it might be uh, helping us to get somewhere, it might be hindering us from getting somewhere. Yeah. Um, but that all comes back down to self-awareness. It's, it's us being able to tune in to what those beliefs are, what our approach and our attitude is to what's going on. Because if we can hear it, then we can do something about it. We can change it. But I, I agree with you. There's an awful lot of talk about mindset out there without mm -hmm. people really defining what that is. But my, my version of, of mindset is really about beliefs plus attitude. And it's not about manifesting. It's not about, you know, spirituality. It doesn't mean I'm not a spiritual person, but yeah. it's, it's, I take a very pragmatic approach it's about what's helpful to us and what's not helpful in terms of the stories we're telling ourselves and how we're thinking. So your, prag your pragmatic approach backed up by yeah. your therapeutic Absolutely. approach to and dealing it, with your clients. There, there is science behind it. You know, there, there is... As opposed I to studied, magic. Yes. I study rational emotive behavior therapy, which is all about how the way we think impacts the way we feel and the way we behave. And there is so much information out there. So much research has been done on it. This is a proven therapeutic approach. So I hold myself very much in that space that this is this is science based. This is pragmatic and helpful to people. And it is about being able to uh, build our own self-awareness so that we can be our own mentors, our own coaches, our own therapists, our own trainers. Be our own mentors. I love that. Mm. Mm. Okay. I still have days when I have to, you know, be the client. I still have days when I think, OK, I need to. I need to therapize myself on that one. Mm -hmm. I need to coach myself through this. So I, I still have those days and I think I always will. It's good to hear from you. <laughs> so we all feel like, okay, if she does, then it's okay that we do. <laughs> oh, it's a lifelong journey, this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Self-awareness is, is a lifelong path. 
Coaching is really, I think, about asking the right questions and getting somebody to, um, you know, to, to dig deep into themselves for the, for the answers to those mm -hmm. questions. And I think that, you know, that's essentially what coaching is about. It's about holding space for somebody and asking the right questions, which prompts the amazing creative being to come up with those solutions. Whereas what I do, I use that. I use certainly use coaching as a tool, but mm -hmm. I have a process. You know, I am a, a trainer. I train people in this process of how to hear the story and challenge and change it. So, you know, with coaching, you're not supposed to do the work for the client. Right. I'm teaching the client how to do that. And then I'm holding them accountable um, while they then get on with it. So it, it is very much a training process. I use coaching and I also use hypnosis to help really make sure that we've got the right beliefs, that we've identified the right beliefs. Uh, and also to when, when we're on the kind of the way back up from those beliefs mm -hmm. um, to creating a new story, uh, then using hypnosis can really help to embed that new story and embed the training process so that people have it when they need ah, it. Okay. Oh, I like that. And I teach them self-hypnosis as well because, you know, it is such a powerful uh, and valuable tool so that all my clients learn self-hypnosis as well. I think at this time, as you had said, you know, we're all grappling with, with the pandemic and the effects mm -hmm. on us. If we if we had the tools to just even do a little bit of self-modification using self-hypnosis, oh, my God, that yes. would be so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, even just for relaxation, you know, there's relaxation hypnosis, which is amazing for helping you to really release that tension. But sometimes we hold tension around our eyes and in our jaw that, that we're not entirely in control of. Yeah. You know, we can't actually release that. So hypnosis can really help with getting us to relax at a much deeper level, much more nuanced, subtle level. So, you know, even for that, it's incredibly useful. Never mind all of the amazing stuff that you can do with direct suggestion. Okay, I'm curious, you've mentioned that we can do self hypnosis. And you know, mm -hmm. you've been doing this for nine years, I believe. Yeah, yes, yeah, about nine, 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to ask you, have you been following this for your own self This, I think you refer to it as a self leadership model? Have uh, you yes. been following it with yourself? And if so, I have. The outcomes? I have and there have been times when I don't. And, uh -huh. uh, and then I'm forcefully reminded when I miss something really obvious and I get massively in my own way and I come back to it. Um, but the self-leadership aspect is, is kind of the phase two of mindset training. The first oh. phase is all about identifying those core beliefs that are keeping us stuck. Mm -hmm. that are keeping us perpetuating behaviors like uh, like procrastination, like imposter syndrome, you know, the things that are really getting in the way of these amazing visionary people mm -hmm. who could be changing the world. You know, there are these these common aspects that tend to tend to make us feel stuck and playing smaller. Um, and so the first phase is all about, right, let's identify those core beliefs. Let's mm -hmm. dig out those stories and challenge and change them. And they learn the process. And then one of my clients a couple of years ago said to me, that was just, it's life changing, but what do I do with it now? How do I now take where I want to be and make that happen? And I had been working on something myself. Uh, which is the self-leadership aspect. Um, and it's really interesting because I'm such a researcher. Whenever I'm doing anything new, you know, buying a washing machine or whatever it is, you know, I will go and research it to death. But mm -hmm. this one, I just didn't. I just listened to my instincts and I came up with this process, which is based around four pillars. And I was really concerned about being influenced by others and possibly... Uh unknowingly plagiarizing somebody. Mm -hmm. So I, I just put my blinkers on and I came up with initially three pillars and it was almost there, but I kept tripping over something. And then of course I, I had to laugh my head off because the fourth pillar, the missing piece was the piece I was the weakest at. So, um, so the four pillars for me of self-leadership 
Uh, and we can go and talk a little bit about what self-leadership might be. But the four mm. pillars for me are, of course, the mindset piece. And then there is our motivation. That is our why. That is about mission. That's about purpose. That's about the, you know, I knew I was born for something more. That's that piece. What is that something more? And then we have to get that something more and make it happen and get it out into the world. And that pillar is about momentum. So that's about how we make it happen, how we consistently show up, how we get our vision and turn it into a reality. Right. Around that, you've got mindset wrapped and you've also got the other piece, a crucial piece, yeah. which I call maintenance. And maintenance is really about radical self-care and about making sure that we are in the best condition mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, to make all of this happen, to turn our why, our purpose, our mission into that amazing impact that we're capable of making. Yeah. So for me, it's all about self-leadership in order to really achieve our own radical potential, which I think everybody has that radical potential. We need to be effective leaders of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So these four pillars was my next piece. So that is really about once we've identified what's stopping us and what's getting in the way. Mm -hmm. Okay, now let's move on. Now that we've freed up that, what one of my clients called the sticky brake, you know, she said it's like trying to ride uphill on a bicycle with the brakes sticking when oh, you've got these limiting yeah. beliefs. Yeah. And now that we're freewheeling down the other side, because we've got that self-knowledge to be able to catch our stories and change them. Right. Yeah. Okay. How do we turn that something more that we know that we were born to be? How do we turn that into impact? And that's where the self-leadership comes in. And I think without any of those four pillars, it doesn't really happen. Yes. You have to have all four of them there. Kind of like four legs of a stool. Yeah. Yeah. If one of them's not kind of the same length as the other ones. Yeah. It's just going to make everything harder. Yeah. Now, um, again, with the bicycle analogy, you know, you're going up sticky brake and then you're down. Maintenance is uh, my thought when you were say, saying maintenance was that you must maintain this cycle because it's not yes, like you do. I mean, as you yes, said, right. it was the very thing that you were forgetting. Yes. That we, so we have to keep remembering, you know, like our momentum, and Absolutely. Our, our motivation, momentum, and, ma mindset and keep going with it. Yes. It's not and permanent. The, and, and the maintenance. And, and I had the mindset piece, you know, I thought I pretty much had that nailed. I certainly had the something more the the mission, the, mm -hmm. you know, the motivation bit. And I knew what I was missing in maintenance. So I knew I wasn't doing it as well as I could be doing it. I knew I was missing bits, but at least I knew it was there. But with mm -hmm. momentum, I just had this hole. I didn't even realize, you know, that was the missing piece. And when I realized that it was the missing piece, that it's about taking action, it's about consistency. It's about how we create our working rhythms, how we create that accountability for making it happen. I just had to laugh my head off because that bit has always been the bit, you know, I'm the ideas queen. I don't really care about making it happen. <laughs> so I had to realize that actually I was never going to be truly effective and truly impactful unless I had that momentum piece in place as well. So you do that with your clients? So I do it with my clients, but I've also had to do it with me because I knew that I couldn't teach this with any integrity unless I was living it myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I have been living it pretty much for about 18 months now. Um, and I've been awesome. teaching it for the last year. And it's just made a huge difference. Now, does that, I mean, not to sound like a broken record, but does that mm -hmm. also involve the self-hypnosis? It does. Yeah. yeah. So I've got back into self-hypnosis. And what I use it for is to help me really connect to my vision, to my motivation. And I also use it in the areas where I'm weaker. So I use it for um, visualizing action, mm -hmm. you know, visualizing results, visualizing that momentum piece. But I've also been using it for my maintenance because I was um, 
I think the, I think the word I'm looking for is lazy. <laughs> I wasn't the world's greatest exerciser, you know. I'd far mm. rather I'd far rather be doing something with words. Um, but I realised that uh, 18 months ago that part of my maintenance program, you know, mm. my self care radical self care routine had to be about getting myself physically into shape. So I decided that I was going to start small and I always recommend, you know, baby steps. Mm -hmm. I decided I was going to walk every day and I was going to walk every day regardless of weather. So I started out with half a mile and that was 28th of January. I started walking and I haven't missed a day yet. And I've done over 1100 miles and I've lost 25 pounds. And that daily walk, I'm, a, I'm so fortunate in that during the lockdown phases, I've been able to be near the beach. So I get to walk on a beach every day. Oh. And that is my therapy space. It's my mm -hmm. creative space. It's where I iron out the knots and the tangles. And, you know, I, I live in Scotland at the moment. So sometimes going out on that beach, you have to pin your feet to the ground. Otherwise you get blown away, but it's just wow. exhilarating. And um, I haven't missed a day, even, no, regardless of whether there's a storm out there or not, because I ask myself, I tell myself one thing, which when I look out the window and, you know, it's howling gale with horizontal rain, mm. I just say to myself, today is not the day that I let myself down, that I break my promise to myself. Today is not that day. And then oh. I just get my coat on and I go. That and is that so powerful. It's so powerful. Today is not the day that I break my promise to myself. So I highly recommend wow. if you're trying to instill a habit, just have that written up where you can see it. And it's been amazing. So yeah, so I, it's, this self-leadership kick has had all kinds of benefits for me. I haven't been this size or this fit or this healthy or this happy in decades. Decades. Wow. So it's wow. had a huge impact on me. So overall, um, the outcomes for your clients, mm -hmm. so the people that work mm -hmm. with you and or yep. um, go through your program, what are, are their outcomes all pretty similar or are they kind of unique to the person and what, what it is they're needing? It, the nature of the outcome is quite similar in mm -hmm. that it is about taking the brakes off, connecting strongly with who you're going to be when you grow up and then making that happen. So the nature of the outcomes is similar, but the individual... The, the kind of meat of it, you know, the, the, the specific details of what it is that mm -hmm. they were born for, what their particular more is, you know, born yeah. for something more, that's going to change. But I do tend to attract people who've got similar values, you know, to, to mine, a similar desire to make a difference. So there is a commonality um, purely because of the, the type of people that I like to work with, you know, the common value set mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that, and that, desire to make a difference to other people's lives so while everybody is different there are yeah. definitely themes running through it yeah so do you immediately recognize those themes um the first session that anybody has with me is their storytelling session and it's a two hour two or three hour however long it needs to be it's normally mm -hmm. about two hours where they tell me from cradle to now how they got to be who they are and I can usually start wow. hearing those coming out during those sessions. It's an incredibly therapeutic session because often it's very rare that we are given the, the opportunity to, to tell our story to somebody who's interested and isn't going to judge us, you know, harshly for it mm -hmm. um, and has our best interests at heart. Mm -hmm. And that action of telling is incredibly powerful and it immediately sets the mind going and our minds as I say we're pattern matches so we start looking for connections and people constantly will say to me oh gosh I didn't realize that that is connected to that and wow that must have caused that and oh my goodness and they're being their own therapist so just that, that first moment. session with you yeah. can can be Huge, a total eye-opener to your, your own self powerful. wow yeah. and the moment that people make the decision to to um experience mindset training with me 
that decision itself is therapeutic because they have made the decision to hand themselves over to somebody else, to trust somebody else to help them because they no longer want to be the way they have been. They want to, you know, overcome the things that are pinning them in place. They mm-hmm. want to move forward. So that decision to work with me is just incredibly powerful for them and therapeutic for them. That's when their own therapy starts is wow. when they make that decision. And then when they tell me their story and they have a voice and they hear a voice and they're able to make connections in their lives, it starts there. Um, you know, I love I love the beginning. I love all parts of it, but the beginning is really powerful. When so you, see people. you said this is a, a one session thing for the story and it can be as long as it mm-hmm. needs to be, but generally around mm-hmm. two hours. How long is the the duration of, of say, a, a course of working with you okay. generally? So with the mindset training, actually, they're both the same, the mindset training and then the kind of next stage, which is the self-leadership training. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it tends to be, I, I work it to what each client has in terms of availability, but it mm-hmm. tends to be that we do four half days, what I call the deep dives. We do four half days at monthly intervals, four weekly intervals, and then in the two weeks in between, we have catch-up calls. So they get four hours, four times to really dive deep and to really, and it's amazing that um, every time I think, well, maybe I'll just make it eight, two-hour sessions, something happens which pulls me back to the four hours because we get to hour three or hour three and a half or the final minute, and then this massive revelation, can this breakthrough happens that if we were doing it in two-hour chunks, we might not have got there. And so this this seems to be the way that works best for me. But I've really found that those half days, without without exhausting us, we Mm -hmm. get to the heart of what's really going on and we're able to make massive progress. Um, And that way it's, it's four months. I noticed, oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. So four months. Yeah. Um, I noticed in myself when you talked about the, the four sessions of deep dives, a half day sessions, mm. obviously something in the way I look at things, I had this voice of like, oh, what would I have to prepare to get the right value? For, like, do your clients <laughs> have to do homework or do lay the the, the groundwork for they, these they sessions? Do. They, they do. Um, not so much with the mindset, the initial mindset training, much mm-hmm. more so when we move on to the self-leadership. Mm-hmm. I have a playbook for each of those four pillars, which I, I ask them to run through. And um, on the final session that they come up with their, their plan going forward, their self-leadership plan, what that looks like for them. Yeah. But in the initial mindset training, there are assignments, but they're much more about, OK, go and practice what we've just what we've just learned this step that we've learned this stage or go and teach it to somebody else often i'll say that because mm, when they are teaching ooh, it to somebody else yes. they're giving their own arguments in in favor of it and yeah. that's a form of self-hypnosis and, uh, yes yes oh i was thinking from a pedagogical point of view that's where yeah. you really cement your learning yes. is when you have to teach it but that's Absolutely. that's a form of self-hypnosis that's mm-hmm. interesting it can be because when we get immersed in the story that we're telling mm-hmm. we move into a trance state now we move in and out of trance all day. So we were talking about hypnotherapy before yeah. and people are sort of fascinated by it because they've seen stage hypnosis yes. or whatever. It's not that, you know, and people are always saying to me, oh, can you control my mind? Could you make me, you know, run around naked in the streets? Well, I probably could, but I'm never going to because, you know, I signed up to a code of ethics. <laughs> um, anybody who does clinical hypnotherapy is never going to use those sorts of tactics. Um, and also what you don't see with stage hypnosis is that one in, I think it's one in 10 people can be hypnotized to a level of, of sleepwalking. And wow. in, in state hypnosis, what we never see on the TV program is the hours and hours and hours of auditions that the audience has to go through in order to identify that one in 10. And they have to sign away their dignity 
you know, there's a legal, yeah. legal contract that they have to sign saying, you can make me do anything, it's fine. So the mind will protect us. Your unconscious mind's job is to keep you alive. And if your unconscious mind detects danger or humiliation mm. or anything like that, that you haven't signed up to, it will not let you go there. So clinical hypnotherapy is, is very safe. On the whole, it's incredibly safe. You know, um, I do have a code of ethics. I'm a member of, a, of the GHR in the UK, the General Hypnotherapy Register. I have to uh, maintain my training and I have to keep to certain standards. Um, so, uh, you know, people can be reassured, can feel confident that I know what I'm doing and that mm -hmm. I'm not going to, to make them feel unsafe. But we go in and out of trance state every day. So when we get into the car and we go off driving and we get out the other end and you think, how the hell did I get here? Yes, yes. I don't remember driving. That's trance day. When you're watching The Queen's Gambit, as I was last night, and the hour of that episode just goes by in a flash or Game of Thrones or whatever it is you're yep. watching, it just goes in a flash. You are in a trance state while you're watching that. So yes. any time that time just magically disappears, you are in a trance state. And it's a state of focused relaxation and concentration. Yeah. And I've heard that, you know, while, while we're watching TV, that's when our delta mm. wave frequency yes. goes way down and you're yes. so susceptible to suggestion and ideas. You really are. So that's why the advertisers, you know, are showing their stuff at us. But if, you, if you're controlling it and or you're working with somebody who's helping you control yeah. it, mm -hmm. you're planting the positive things that you need for the growth you want. When people are in that delta state. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, but there are different wavelengths as well with, with hypnosis. So we've got alert hypnosis, we've got mm -hmm. very deep hypnosis, and then there's trance state where my client's going, I don't feel, I'm not really in trance, I don't, I don't feel any different. And I'm saying, look where your hand is, and the hand is up here, because I've just done an induction, which is all about hand levitation, and telling them that their hand is lighter than air, and there's a bubble, there's a balloon, and they're going, I don't feel hypnotized. And I'm just going, look where your hand is. And they look and they go, oh, <laughs> so how did it, that get there? <laughs> there's like a duality happening, like they, they are in this trance state, and yet they're having a conversation with you about well, not being in a trance state. Our, our conscious mind yeah. is still trying to have conversations with us. Oh. And the more we are hypnotized, the better we get at switching off our conscious minds and allowing ourselves to just go with it to go with the trance mm -hmm. so your conscious mind is going but i'm wide awake i'm fine there's nothing you know I, i'm i'm not hypnotized and then their hand is up there because it's being levitated wow. <laughs> with direct suggestion so um and and any kind of hypnosis i think if people even if they do feel that they're conscious through this and it's not really working for them just go with it just allow yourself to stay because those messages are still going in at an unconscious level mm -hmm. even though consciously you might be thinking deny 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 unconsciously it's just going okay let's open up and just accept and listen to what's going on here so i always say to my clients don't worry if you're not feeling it just just relax and allow allow the allow this this talking mm -hmm. to happen um, you don't have to know how it works. You don't have to be fully complicit with it. Just allow your unconscious mind to do its thing while I talk. So, um, so you're, you're helping people with this. And I know you've been working with business leaders to do this mm -hmm. for, for years. Mm -hmm. I myself, and I'm sure people listening to this or watching this would think, I want a taste of that. But obviously you don't have the capacity or the bandwidth to be dealing with everybody who's interested in this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So what... Can people? What can you do for people who maybe aren't your four-month, full mm -hmm. session mm -hmm. deep work clients? Like, is there a Caroline Light that people well, can get into? <laughs> there, there is at times, but there isn't at the moment. I have to be honest about that, and I'll tell you why. It's because part of my self leadership involved exploring. I needed to explore fully what 
you know, my own self-awareness and what was going on for me. And so I did something quite radical. I sold my house. Um, so I'm homeless. And I decided I was going to travel for two years around the UK. And I was going to scale right back on my group work, on the courses that I do. And I was just going to work with 12 people. I decided I was going to give myself the gift of this time to travel, to experience, yeah. um, you know, these adventures, to do some writing and to work at a really high level with the people who move me, who excite me. And in, in six months or, or a year, I will go back to, to running group courses and to um, to doing masterminds and to doing, uh, to doing programs that people can get and download. But I don't have those at the moment. But what I do have is um, is something I can I can give people that will help that will start help them helping them to develop self-awareness it's just you know it's just a free download they can have and mm -hmm. i can give you the details of that in a minute but also i'm about to create a series of hypnosis tracks audio tracks which will be incredibly mm. accessible price point um which people can just download from my website and they will be around specific topics so for example managing anxiety and imposter syndrome connecting with your your body the body mindset which is which is all about this is not a bunch of bits i don't like this is my home for the rest of my life and I can't move out yeah, so yeah, yeah. how do I heal that that relationship with my home so there'll be one on those and they'll be incredibly accessible and people can experience hypnosis for themselves they won't now, get the full mindset training of course but yes. they get some benefit from that well my thought is if if it's not out yet mm. maybe these people should be getting on a waiting list like do you have an email list well, that, like it's down in the notes for the for both the video and the podcast we're going to be dropping mm. your links and can they get on there and get on your waiting list absolutely i'll make sure that um, i provide you with a link for that that's a that's why didn't I think of that? Um, that's a great idea. They should be coming out in the new year. So uh, they'll probably be about half a dozen to start with and they'll be really accessible. And uh, but give people a taste of the benefits of what yeah. it's like to experience hypnosis. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. But I promise they won't have embedded sales message. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we trust you. We trust you. <laughs> they won't. Yeah. So right now you, you're working with your 12 clients, you're totally booked out, no room for other clients? I've, I've just, no, I, I I go by the quarter and my okay. quarter started, my year started, I think in February or something like that. Anyway, I've just opened up my last quarter, so I've got four spaces. In fact, no, I've got two spaces because two have already been taken by my existing clients who want to go on and do the self-leadership work. So I've got two spaces for mindset training, okay. um, working one-to-one -one with people. That's the, you know, the four months, the deep dive. Okay. Um, Let's make sure I we get a really separate link. To, pace myself okay. yeah we'll get a separate link in that and um yeah um pace ah <laughs> yes just quickly <laughs> like I, i've you've told me about this before and this is actually fascinating can you give me your yes tell so us self, self-awareness sounds like a kind of an abstract concept so this makes it a little bit more tangible and a bit more real okay. the benefits of knowing ourselves mm -hmm. so one of the things i came up with uh, the tools that i came up with when i was working with my mindset training clients is um this i talk about walking people through their paces and paces is an acronym that stands for the five main ways in which we humans wind ourselves up five main ways in which we get in our own way and which are the drivers for most of the toxic beliefs around I must do that I mustn't do that you know that we tend to have mm -hmm. and it stands for P is for perfectionism and perfectionism is really about I mustn't fail you know that's the, the fear the, yeah, yeah yeah I mustn't fail um or else or else it's awful or else I can't bear it or else it means I'm, I'm inadequate you know I'm rubbish yeah. so perfectionism I mustn't fail I have to do well um a in pace is, is about approval addiction and that can take the form of you must pay attention to me you must be nice to me you you must notice me or it can also take the um the 
the point of view which I had in spades of I mustn't disappoint you I mustn't let you down I have to look after you does that include uh, what they categorize as you know uh you're a pleaser you know a people pleaser okay there is all about approval addiction okay absolutely so perfectionism approval addiction c in paces is all about need for certainty and that is biting people really hard right now with you know with lockdown with business people going out of business with lack of support in certain quarters from governments um with who's the president you know what's going on in the uk with brexit massively triggering need for certainty i have to know what's going on i have to know how to do it i have to know what comes next i have to know Mm. i have all the right gear Yes. And certainly with entrepreneurs, it's, you know, it's a very strong one as well. I have to know how to, to do the whole sales funnel before I can go out and do a, and make a sale. And uh, so that need for certainty, mm-hmm. I have to know who, why, what, when, how, where. Um, and then the fourth one, the E in paces is all about ease. Life must not be difficult. It has to be easy. I have to feel safe. I have to feel secure. It, I mustn't be out of my comfort zone. And it, oh. it's important to note that not all of us have all of these. Quite often we'll have all of them at different times, but we all have our favorite recipe of these. Um, So E is for ease. And S is uh, the one I call self-rule. And self-rule is all about control. I have to be able to control what's going on. We have to do it my way. Don't tell me what to do. And I... (laughs) Ah. I didn't realize quite how strong my my mine used to be yeah. approval addiction and need for certainty were the two that bit me the, the hardest. Uh-huh. Um, but now it's interesting. Now that I kind of know who I am and can hear my stories and my voices, it's turned much more into perfectionism. I want to do it well. Yeah. And self-rule, I want to do it my way. So I, I had to had to actually pull over in the car. I was on the motorway and I realized that for about a year I'd been getting pretty much road rage you know I was getting really annoyed when I drove and suddenly I was on the motorway and I realized why it's because there was this voice in my car all the time telling me where to go and what to do my sat now oh triggering you and I realized that I was just getting <laughs> rage because this person in my car this woman was telling me what to do all the flipping time and that just made me laugh so hard so I just switched off the voice um <laughs> But I had to realise, you know, a bit of bit of self-awareness, though. It took me a whole year to realise that, um, that it was the voice in my car telling me what to do. So I know. I, so I, I, um, I have self-rule. I definitely have self-rule going on. But when we, you know, I say to my clients, when they are feeling disturbed, when they're feeling agitated, anxious, afraid, mm-hmm. angry, um, ashamed, you know, any of those big, difficult emotions, right, ask yourself. Which of my paces, hotspots am I treading on here? Which are, you know, which are triggering me? Is it because I want to do this well and I don't think I can? Is it because uh, I, I want to, to know how to do it and I don't know how to do it, the certainty thing? Is it because it feels really far out of my comfort zone? Is it because somebody else is dictating the terms of this? You know, it, when we ask ourselves that question, which of my paces, hotspots have been triggered? Often yes. it'll be more than one. Then we have information and we know we know how we're getting in our way so so we can start to think about how we challenge and change those um, yeah. those stories that we're telling ourselves back so, to what you said so the evaluative exactly. thing like it's like yeah. it's this and this and then you can deal with it cool exactly so it's a self-awareness tool that we can use and it's pretty you know once you once you learn it and i've got a handout that people can can download about it which of my pace of spots is being triggered here and what's the story i'm telling myself that's leading me to feel like this that's getting in my way. and i will put the link down below brilliant yeah well Caroline, thank you so much for hanging out with me today and telling me about this. Um, You are definitely one of those people 
the she's all about that podcast is about women doing awesome shit and i have always just thought what you're doing is awesome <laughs> oh we haven't even talked about the bullshit fairy <laughs> I love the bullshit fairy. Okay, give, give, give me a give me a quick thing on the bullshit oh, fairy. I, I love the, our previous conversations in in uh, you know other other areas. We've talked about bullshit fairy. The bullshit fairy is is that little that little part of our consciousness that's kind of sits sits there and evaluates everything about us. And uh, you know we were talking. I remember you and I were talking about affirmations, and I was saying, well, I tend not to use them because they don't pass my bullshit fairy. Yes. So, for example, a classic affirmation might be, you know, I knew somebody who who said she would repeat to herself, I'm healthy, wealthy, slender and wise. Well, <laughs> my bullshit friend would go, bullshit. No, you're not. You know, so so it wouldn't even pass the filter. To, no, we have to be able to bypass the filter. So so um, so we need to, to be able to work with our bullshit fairy and also to be able to change our bullshit fairies perspective on things and that's where hypnosis can really help actually because it's a level of consciousness which is there to protect us it wants to keep us alive yeah and and it just doesn't believe nice things about us and it doesn't believe that we're capable of things so we have to be able to manage our bullshit fairy and that's what mindset training is all about is being able to change the nature of that filter to be able to change how we speak to ourselves and and also what to to understand at a level of self-awareness to understand what we can believe and what we can't believe yet you know if, if we're just chanting affirmations to ourselves that we don't believe it's yeah. just going to make us feel inadequate so um so i personally don't tend to use affirmations because of that and we can use the question version mm-hmm. affirmations which a guy called Noah st john has come up with you know why am i healthy and wealthy and slender and wise now your bullshit fairy can't disagree with that because it's a, it's question. a question and when right. we ask ourselves a question our unconscious mind has no choice but to try and come up with answers well because because i'm eating well um or i could be eating well or i could be exercising or and i could be saving money and I could, whatever your thing is yeah you know if you pose your affirmation as a question to yourself and thank you to know st john for this um it bypasses the bullshit fairy and it engages our creative problem-solving, solution-focused mind to come yeah. up with answers. But right, how is it that I am that? Well, I am that, you know, in an ideal world because I'm taking these actions, because I'm doing these things, because I have these stories. Mm. Right, let's capture that and make that part of the plan. Yeah. So all little little uh, tips and tricks that we can use to bypass our own filters, you know, yeah. our own prejudices, yeah. our own biases, which yeah. is what the, the bullshit fairy is all about, keeping us alive and, and all our biases in action, you know, out there. Yeah, yeah. and a little bit, as you said, like as objective as possible. Like your, yeah. your bullshit fairy is not going to let you get away with too much. No, yeah. and the, the more self-aware we become, the more our bullshit fairy just shuts up, you know because we don't really because we're not feeding it bullshit so it's nothing to react yeah awesome yeah so we've got the bullshit fairy and paces and the cognitive behavioral hypnotherapy oh my like i said you're a resonance renaissance woman oh well thank you thank you it doesn't feel like it some days but you know there's lots there's lots going on and i'm I'm loving i would say most of it you know (laughs) it is fantastic to be able to do this work yeah well thank you so much for sharing it with us today and like i said i'm going to put links down below so that people can access your downloads and get on your waiting list so when you've got that audio self-hypnosis series that you're coming out Mm with Mm -hmm. i'll be on your waiting list i want to have that and um you'll have to be a beta tester (laughs) yes please yes please yes and if people want to get hold of you look down below caroline thank you so much thank you september i've loved talking to you 
Me too. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for being with us today. Don't forget to take a look down in the notes to find any of the links to the goodies we talked about in today's podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel so you don't miss the next episode. Rate us or review us on iTunes or on YouTube and share us with a friend that you think might just need a bit of inspiration to start doing her own awesome shit. Do you know an incredible gal that's all that that you think the world needs to know more about? Head on over to our Facebook or our Instagram channel and DM me. Tell me about her. We'll see if we can't get her on the She's All That podcast.